The Elf Service A Story for Christmas Written by Tobias Sturt And read by John Millington Episode 7 Miss Saltadora was not actually yet officially engaged, but she did have an understanding with a young man called Roger who did something very mysterious but very clever in one of those obscure businesses in the new town. She did a lot of charity work and attended a lot of charity functions because she felt it was important for people like her, and she was not specific about who those people were, to do good. She thought Irving Jefferson was just spectacular, and there was a slight hint that she could be persuaded to have a misunderstanding with Roger in Jefferson's favour. She thought it very important that people like Jefferson use their creativity and entrepreneurship to do good. She was generally in favour of doing good, apparently. Maddie Sharp had only been in the elevator in the Metropolitan Hotel with Miss Saltadora for five minutes, but already knew more about her than people she had done in-depth investigations on. Maddie was in the habit of staying quiet professionally and letting other people do the talking, Generally, people will feel the need to fill a conversational silence and consequently tell you all kinds of things they weren't intending to. Maddie liked to say that the two more useful journalistic skills were knowing which questions to ask and when not to ask them. In the case of Miss Saltadora, however, she didn't need to ask any questions. She couldn't have got a word in edgewise to ask them if she'd wanted to. Miss Saltadora talked as she breathed, as an autonomic activity, an incessant wandering stream of consciousness. Maddie got the sense that it was somehow necessary to her functioning, as if she might not perceive the world if she did not remark on it, or might not believe in it or in herself if she did not note them constantly. It was not entirely annoying. She had a perfectly pleasant voice, and some of what she was saying was interesting or perceptive. Perhaps that was the problem, come to think of it. She seemed to live a constrained, repetitive life consisting of the same few streets, the same few families, the same few ideas. It would drive Maddie mad. Perhaps she had to occupy herself so because she might perceive the world, her life, herself, too clearly if she ever stopped to look. Perhaps she was frightened of what she might see, hear or think in the silence and thus had to busy her mind with this stream of narration, turning her experience into an ongoing entertainment removed behind a convenient proscenium arch. Maddie was also beginning to suspect that Miss Saltadora had been dispatched to take her on this errand to give everyone else in the elf service a rest from the chatter. Like Tin Lizzie, Miss Saltadora had her own idiosyncratic paths through the city, but these paths led through the new town, past florists and hairdressers she waved to through their shop windows, down arcades of jewellers, by houses at which she had had tea or at which she had left a card or received an insult. She was a thin young woman, and ever in motion, like a strip of willow in a breeze, a constant flutter of talk and hands. Maddie and she were on their way to the other end of Jefferson's process from the letter writers, out in the new town, up from the gutters of the market to the penthouse of the Metropolitan. Miss Saltadora was there to deliver a letter to a potential Santa, and Maddie was there to observe. From the street that ran alongside the gardens, the main thing you noticed about the Metropolitan Hotel was the awning over the doors and the tall plate-glass windows of the restaurant on the corner of the building. Above these was just floor after floor of anonymous room windows. 
The irony was that if you were to cross the gardens, climb up the hill into the old town, and then trudge up the rickety stairs of one of the lowering tenement buildings that Maddie had visited up there, then you would be able to look down on the penthouse floors on the roof of the hotel on the other side of town. Up there, there was at one end a rooftop garden and cocktail bar, a hopeful idea at best in this city with its weather, and at this time of year in very infrequent use indeed. When it had been inaugurated, it had had macaws in the shrubbery to bring a dash of exotic colour, but they had grown, in the incessant rain and freezing winters, increasingly recalcitrant and grey, and had long ago been retired to the zoological gardens where there was heating. At the other end of the roof rose further, even smaller floors in stepwise fashion, two rooms with balcony, one suite with balcony, and finally one small floor all on its own, barely the size of a standard room. This was the office and private hiding place of the hotel's owner, Felix Savoir. There was, of course, an official office down below on the first floor that Savoir had had furnished by a theatrical set designer so that it looked precisely like the opulent office visitors might expect. And there was an official suite on the fifth, carefully appointed with all the most exquisite art, the most shiny contraptions, the most luxurious fittings, where Savoir entertained guests. But he rarely slept in the enormous four-poster from a country house, nor did he often read papers behind the desk made from the timbers of a man-of-war. He worked up here, in this tiny room, so filled with desk that he had to climb over it to get to his chair, as there was no other way round a room lined entirely by cubbyholes, into which were stuffed a lifetime's accrued plans and schemes, and the bills and receipts for those schemes being realised. And he slept next door, in a severe little bed with an ironwork bedstead which had once belonged to his grandmother, and while he slept, below him the hotel murmured and turned, and he murmured and turned, and the rhythms of it crept into his sleep, so that he dreamt of laundries and lift shafts, of carousing guests and gossiping night porters, of deliveries and removals, of comings and goings, of the thousand little transactions and ongoing lives that make up a hotel. Up here he could smell the hotel, feel it rising up through his feet. During the day he was everywhere about the place, in the kitchens and bars, the cellars and rooftops, observing every part of it in detail. But up here he got the whole place as a gestalt, a huge throbbing creature on the back of which he perched like a mahout with a goad ever at the ready. Up here he could feel every twitch, every upset, every unease, always prepared to plunge back down into the depths of the building to find its source. This was also where he liked to conduct personal business because he felt it conveyed the right kind of intimate private interest. Personal business like playing Santa Claus. He was already acquainted with Miss Saltadora in her role at the elf service, and he being the kind of man he was, and her being the kind of reporter she was, he knew Maddie Sharp of old. "'Miss Sharp, what an unexpected delight!' He somehow managed to stand up behind his cramped desk and make a little bow. "'No, it's not,' said Maddie. "'I'm neither unexpected nor a delight.' Both Jefferson and, more recently, Reception told you I was coming, and no one as important as you is pleased to see anyone from the Argus that isn't the society correspondent. Oh, contraire, said Savoir, sitting down and gesturing the ladies to chairs. A great newspaper, like a great hotel, is vital to the life of a great city. 
"'You might not think this city so great "'if you'd seen some of the things I've seen today,' said Maddie. "'Ah, I imagine it is an unfortunate side uh, to your work "'that you see the worst of the world,' said Savoie. "'Your kitchens are mostly supplied from the market in the old town, I imagine,' said Maddie. "'Don't tell me a great market is as important to a city as a great sewer. "'This morning I met a child who works there "'picking up discarded vegetables from the gutter "'and selling them to pay rent on the bottom of a wardrobe.' "'She's the little girl who has written this letter,' said Miss Saltadora, "'no longer able to stand being quiet. "'This is the letter, and, and this is a transcription that Miss Reynard prepared, "'although the child's writing is really rather excellent. "'Don't you agree for someone so young and so, one assumes, ill-educated? "'Although uh, the paper is a bit torn. I'm sorry about that.' "'Her name is Midge,' said Maddy, as Savoir took the letter from Miss Saltadora. "'He put the card with the transcription on the desk, but kept hold of the letter, reading it.' Mm. Her letter C's show great energy, he said, tracing one. <laughs> she shows promise, he peered at Maddie over the top of the letter. I know what you mean, Miss Sharp, he said. This city has highs, but it also has lows. It has those who have and those who have not. Those who are lucky, and I know it is luck, to have had their hard work repaid, and those who know only failure and penury. I know this. You cannot sit here above this hotel, above the city, and not know this. But what can even I do? I give to charity. I give to the city. The food that is uneaten in my restaurants is given to the hungry. The clothes my guests discard are given to the poor. Is this enough? I know it is not, but what this Irving Jefferson is doing, how this interests me. What is a hotel, Miss Sharp? What is this hotel? Savoy steepled his fingers and leant back. He was lecturing and not expecting an answer. It is wholly unnecessary. No one needs a suite. No one needs a restaurant, a cocktail bar, a swimming pool, a library. We are a luxury. But one needs luxuries. Wait, he held up a finger. One needs the promise of luxury, the prospect of it, the possibility that is what we are. Yes, there are some who live here, but for them the luxurious is the humdrum. They complain about the softness of the feathers and the size of the bubbles in their bath. For most they come maybe once a year, maybe once a lifetime. They perhaps only wander through the lobby, dance at New Year in the ballroom. And to them we are a luxury, to them we are a delight. The thing that adds flavour to life, adds joy, makes it worth living. This is the great luxury of my life, to be able to offer these people such joy, to make one day special, to help them believe in the possibility of delight, that it might happen to them. And this is Christmas, is it not? This is what Christmas is, a luxury, a delight. The thing that gives life savour, that gives it lightness and pleasure. What a splendid gift to give then. What a splendid gift for Jefferson to give me the gift of giving a splendid gift to someone else. The gift of delight, even if just for one day. This, I think, is a splendid thing. And so, Miss Saltadora, I am delighted to take this letter from you, and I shall see to it that uh, Midge gets her uh, doll. 
and it may even be one that talks. I hope it doesn't talk as much as you, said Maddie, not mentioning Miss Saltadora. Here, have an apple. You have been listening to The Elf Service, a story for Christmas in 24 daily episodes. Read by John Millington and written and produced by Tobias Sturt. The music is Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Riley Farley and their orchestra from the Internet Archive at archive.org. Our illustrations are by Jamie Lemon, and you can see more of his work at jamielemon.com. This podcast is distributed by Acast and you can find all of our stories there or on our website christmasstories.co.uk where you can also sign up for our newsletter but wherever you found us if you like what we do please rate and review it and share with someone if you think they'd like it too more importantly though make sure you're here for the next episode of the elf service